Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. I wonder um, how long Joel Quenville would have known that the investigation from a third party was going on. It happened over the summer. I'm sure he caught wind of it in regards to what went down with the Blackhawks in uh, 2010 in Kyle Beach. And you wonder, over the summer, did he think, oh, this is going to come back to haunt me? Uh, perhaps. Or, uh, or, or he just stayed stoic in, uh, yeah. in his thing that, you know, remember, he said he didn't know about this conversation, mm-hmm. right? He, he didn't admit to knowing about this conversation. But he lied because it happened. Well, yeah. yeah, and even when the report came out, he still coached mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And, and this is on the Florida Panthers as well. And this is part of the problem that the NHL has with this, you know, trying to be woke, but the culture is not, mm-hmm. is that the Florida Panthers knew about the results of this report mm-hmm. on Monday. Right, it came out when Stan Bowman re- resigned and you know fell on the sword in Chicago on Tuesday. The Panthers knew about that, mm-hmm. and they knew Joel Quenville's name was attached to it. And what did they do? Nothing. They put him on the bench on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't know who owns or who operates the uh, Panthers, but for the most part in the NHL, it's you know it's older white guys, and it's still the old guard. And I think slowly things are turning over. I couldn't imagine. I would hope. That a, a younger generation, the likes of the Kyle Dubases and such, you, you kind of saw it in that all or, or nothing documentary that they're they're more woke, they're more understanding, they're more attuned to the players' feelings and and not only what happens on the ice but what happens off the ice. You saw how he spoke to a couple of guys about their personal life and everything okay at home, and you know, so that's slowly changing. And I don't think you ever would have had those conversations. I don't think Joel Quenville. I don't know the man, but I'm going to assume just from the stories we've heard, he wasn't very one of those guys to sit him down and say, "How's the puppy? How's the kids?" Right. Well, None yeah, of that I, mattered, right? I, I don't know what he was like off the ice or, or you know away from. Uh, the cameras and in the end, it doesn't matter because he's only one of a number in this no, conspiracy. Right. Yeah, right? They're, 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 all, they're all fallen now. That's the, the the scary part of it is, you know, in any conspiracy, you look back and say, did no one think to say this was wrong? Mm. Did no one speak up, or were they silenced in that conversation as well? I think of a lot of people. You know, it's much like bullying in the schoolyard when you're little. And you're younger, you, we, you know, we're all guilty of having seen things and not saying anything. Because one, we don't want to get in the, the mess of it all. Right. And two, we always think it's somebody else's responsibility. It's not mine. I, I'm in charge of shop, sharpening the skates. Right. What, what, what do I got to do with this, you know? And I think so many of them did that. They, they turned around and looked the other way. So bad it was for, for Kyle Beach that not only did people turn and look the other way, it was insults throwing at him. So, you know, teammates who knew what was going on didn't go up and try to say, hey, dude, I'm so sorry I heard about this. Rather, they, they hurl insults at him and, right. and homophobic slurs. Like, it's from top to bottom, it couldn't have been handled any worse. And so now Gary Bettman is, uh, and he has no choice. He's got to step in and start removing people because if he doesn't, he's going to get removed. Yeah, it really seems as though they picked a side and just said, hey, we're going to go with, you know, Brad Ulrich, the coach's story that this was consensual mm. and uh, and and we'll go from there. And and maybe they panicked and thought, well, OK, if this was a consensual, you know, uh, gay relationship or homosexual relationship, then we can't fire him or else we're going to look like we're not woke because we're firing someone because he's gay. Right. Right. Um, you know, but they can shove whatever excuses they want out there. You know, this... 
not only ruined one young man's one young man's life in Kyle Beach, but another one too. When Brad Aldridge went on with his recommendation yeah. from Joel Quenville to get a job as a high school hockey coach and assaulted a sixteen year old kid yeah. there, and for Kyle Beach now to, to be upset and and he feels sorry. Uh, and apologizing to this young man that he didn't come out sooner with these allegations. So perhaps, perhaps he could have prevented that from happening. You know, he's feeling guilty about that. The fact that the Blackhawks organization or Joel Quenville or, or before this report came out, none of them felt that kind of guilt mm. to come out and talk about this is really damning. So the next move now is today when the GM of the Jets goes in for his chat. Kevin Shevel day off will have his uh, chat. It was supposed to be on Monday. The Jets requested that it be moved up. Mm. So, you know, that might be the writing on the wall there. I think so. You there, can imagine. But again, there are more. There's yep. no way that this went all the way, you know, for 11 years without having more than one conversation in a hotel room in San Jose where they dismissed it. It's been dismissed for a very long time. Chicago admitting to that when and paying a penalty, a $2 million penalty for it from the NHL. But I think the NHL realizing now that, you know, if they're going to try and be woke, they have to walk the walk, mm-hmm. too. Yep, for sure. If you have a chance over the weekend, if you have not, to uh, check out the TSN Rick Westhead interview with Kyle Beach. It's about half an hour long. It, uh, if you don't walk away from that with at least a lump in your throat or, or some, some shivers, um, I, I don't know what else would get to you because there are moments in that when you just hear it and you see it in his face and in his voice. Where as much as it's terrific that all of this is now evolving and opening up and his, his pain is being addressed, he's still got a lot of it. should say, too, and in that interview, um, what I thought was good is that they're not giving the gory the, the details of it. This is not about raunch, and this is you know it's not about um, you know the, the, you know, if you're worried about the salacious, the, the stuff. salacious stuff, yeah, uh, of it all. It is really about his emotions, yeah. and and and, uh, and what happened to this young man, and it's worth the watch. There's this thing with celebrities. They love to do this. They love to crash weddings. They'll see a couple getting married, doing their their photo. They love to pop in there stick their head in, and it's probably a bit of an ego boost when everybody goes crazy for them. All of a sudden, some very well-known person is standing between the bride and groom. Well, Tom Hanks loves to do that, and he did it again this last weekend. He saw two people getting hitched on the beach in Santa Monica. After the ceremony was over, Tom came over, asked if he could take a picture with the happy couple. He saw a woman in a wedding dress, and he asked, is the groom around? He was quickly informed that this was a same-sex wedding, And the groom was a woman who was standing right there wearing a suit and a tie. Tom says, oh, get out. Oh, man, my stock just exploded. (laughs) He's pretty embarrassed that he made that mistake. Anyhow, he took photos with them, spent some time with them, told them it was a beautiful ceremony. And they added that he he gave some love advice and was just very positive and humble. So you would think that of Tom Hanks. Right. You can imagine he'd be like, this is my part of the beach. Get off. Well said. That's right. Just there playing with his ball. <laughs> you see my volleyball. <laughs> and another actor, Will Ferrell. You know, one of his probably greatest parts of all time was, of course, Elf. Yes. And people have uh, just been so excited every time the idea of a sequel is uh, brought up in discussion. But Will Ferrell says, we were close. We had a script written and everything, but the script was just too similar to the original, so he turned it down. I had always heard that him and John Favreau, who directed the first one, 
couldn't stand each other. Oh, really? That's the that's the story I heard, and that's why he wouldn't do it because John Favreau, I guess, has something in his deal that if there was a sequel, he gets to direct that as well. Okay. But no, uh, Will Ferrell just claims it was the script, which seems odd. You think he could work on that? Anyhow, it was. Uh, he, I don't know that he said this or someone has released it, but Will Ferrell was going to get paid $29 million to do Elf 2. I would have held up for 32. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, 29 is a bit of an insult. If yeah. you're that close to 30, just make it, round it up. Well, the years have gone by, too. He might have had a tougher time squeezing into that Elf outfit. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I don't know that Bob Newhart could hold him on his knees anymore. It was yeah. such a great movie. It um, was. I mean, yeah. I guess they could have, and why wouldn't they move on? Like Will Ferrell, he got married, he had the kid. Yeah. Now maybe it's his kid's turn, but I guess it's got to be all about Elf himself. You can't make him a bit player in the movie. Right, yeah. That, you know, I don't know what that script would have entailed. Of course, yeah, he'd gotten married and, and had kids of himself. And so uh, how do you reinvent that? Yeah. Um, and who knows why he had other projects on the go. And I guess he kind of holds the cards in this Will Ferrell because they're not going to make it an Elf 2 without him. Right. It's not going to be a success without Will Ferrell in it, I yeah. imagine. So he can hold off as long as he wants or for as much as he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of like Jim Carrey with Dumb and Dumber. It's, it's until you reach a point where they just have to throw enough at you mm-hmm. uh, that you, you you do it. Sometimes it's too late, though. Like, uh, the when they... When they got back together, Way too late. it was it, it's yeah. like ABBA right. finally deciding yeah. to reunite. But you're just cashing a check at that point. Yeah, no, you know, if it sure. comes down to a point where he just needs to cash a check mm. for thirty million dollars, then all right, he can do it then. He'd be sitting on a throne of cash, yeah. sitting there smelling <laughs> like beef and cheese. Mark Zuckerberg announced that Facebook has changed its name, and now they're going to be known as Meta. Here he is describing why. I believe the metaverse is the next chapter for the internet. And it's the next chapter for our company, too. We're a company that focuses on connecting people. Today, we're seen as a social media company. But in our DNA, we're a company that builds technology to connect people. And the metaverse is the next frontier, just like social networking was when we got started. I am proud to announce that starting today, our company is now Meta. Our apps and their brands, they're not changing either. From now on, we're going to be Metaverse first, not Facebook first. Should be BS first. <laughs> That's what you should change the name to. We're a company that wants to connect people. No, you're a company that wants to start wars and fights and problems is what you want to do. I don't know why, uh, except that I believe it's all got to do with trying to get out from underneath all the heap of trouble they're in these days. Are you a basketball fan? It sounds like Ron Artest, a bad boy of the NBA, changing his world, yeah. his name to Meta World Peace. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's just following that script. You know, uh, somebody said recently that Facebook and social media, Instagram and all of it, Twitter, is the new cigarette companies in that they knew all along it was bad for us. Right. And they just kept selling it to us. Yeah, I think uh, Jimmy Kimmel said something similar. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's like you know, it's like the nicotine in it. Yep, we're addicted. And uh, it's caused so many problems. And, and you see uh, why COVID is so uh, politicized and you see why we're so divided. 
And it's all because of that man and his company. But there's no turning back now. There's, well, we're just, we're hooked and, and we're in. The real shock in all of it is that, is that the algorithms are now showing that, you know, how they promoted it and mm-hmm. how they continue to with when things that garner anger emojis, you know, appear five times more likely than ones that just get a thumbs up like, right? Yeah. They're looking for the things that stir up. I, mean, I guess that, that's, you know, really how... Uh, everything has worked around the world, you know, for years. It's mm-hmm. the, the stories that have an emotional attachment to them usually get promoted more. So if it is uh, like cigarettes, if social media is bad for our health and probably more so our mental health than anything else, mm-hmm. I kicked a, I kicked the uh, cigarette habit. Many of us have. Can we kick the social media habit? Could you... See a time when you said, you know what, this is no good for me anymore. I have to give it up. I have to walk away from it. Uh, yes and no. I think, I think, you know, a lot of what we do is basically for work. I, I hardly post mm. um, when it comes to just personal stuff. Uh, I share that with people personally. Mm. Um, you know, do I tend to browse on it? Yeah. Could I, could I do it elsewhere? Could I find something else with my time? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Uh, but do I know people who absolutely couldn't give it up? Yes. You know, there there are those who are full-on addicted to sharing their life or feel that need. And, that, and that's, you know, part of the sad part about it is that yep. they, they feel a drive that they have to share with everyone everything's going on. Or they can't make a move or have any life successes if it's not acknowledged by other people mm-hmm. through sharing it on social media and, you know, craving those likes and approval from others of what they're doing. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who make their living from it, right? With the yeah. influencers and all of that. It's it's how they pay their bills every month. I, I've always been uh, incredibly proud of both of my boys. Certainly, they've, you know, they're, they're intelligent. They my, my eldest has his PhD in physics, and he has never bought into social media. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not he probably has a Facebook page or an Instagram account never on it you know he's the same guy who wouldn't buy into joining the Apple cult as he called it like he he does not get caught up and and uh, and I'm, I applaud him for that and I am I am like you in that I uh, I only use it for work if I've shared anything personal it's been a handful of things in the last 10 years like yeah. I, I just don't uh, I do spend uh, toilet time is really when I yeah. find myself scrolling through the news feed well. and looking at Twitter. <laughs> so. But I don't. I certainly don't sit on it all day, and I don't have it by my side. And I'm I'm not constantly going to it while I'm on the couch or in bed. So you've got input and output of poop at the That's same right. time. That's exactly it. Just like on Facebook, it's just poop. Have you ever considered, pondered for a second, throwing some money at a cryptocurrency? Uh, pondered, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm missing is the money part <laughs> to yeah. throw around at things. Doesn't seem like you need that much. Some of these things, there's a new one, I guess it's been around for a little while now, called uh, Shiba. Okay. Uh, it tripled in value this uh, past week. And somebody uh, cashed in, or could have cashed in, for an insane amount of money. 
But it's another one of these stories of maybe they lost their password. That's the, yes, their you, have to, gets you have locked. to hang on to that. Yeah. And it's not like the four-digit pin either. Yeah. No, it's so weird that you would invest money into something and then, you know, the, the possibility that it's going to turn into billions of dollars. And you don't have that password tattooed on your hand? Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have any tattoos, but if I put money into Bitcoin, that, I would have that on my forehead. That'd be... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, maybe then people could see it and steal my right, money. That's true. Anyhow, so there's this uh, this new cryptocurrency, uh, Shiba. And uh, I guess it's all same as it was a parody of or it's similar to this Deutsche coin. Do- Deutsche coin, yeah. Deutsche coin, whatever was, uh, what that was called. Um, in that it was super cheap and you were able to get in and it could, you know, explode into huge, huge dollars. This Shiba coin is currently worth less than Ten thousandth of a cent. Okay. Somebody bought eight grand worth of it. And at its peak in August, this person had made six billion dollars on an eight grand investment. What? That's B with a billion. Wow. Uh, It's dropped down to four billion and the person has not cashed in. We don't know what's happened. Either they've forgotten about it. Again, how do you forget? If I invest $10 in something, I remember. They might have lost their uh, password or they they passed away. Anyhow, again, I'm not quite certain how any of this works. I mean, I would get in, but I've just put all my money into Licks. The burger chain, I think. (laughs) Thing in your order? I think it's coming back. If that doesn't work, I'm going into something called Four Boys. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I would think, and I have a financial advisor who seems to really be on her game, and I... I would think if she thought this was something, she'd say, hey, you know, we should funnel a little dough into this. Right. But we had a guy who called earlier because we talked about this when we first got on the air. And he claims this Shiba is like the next wave. Yeah. It's going to be huge. Yeah. That you, well, and that you can get in so cheaply. You don't have yeah. to invest a ton and you can you can make yeah. you know, crazy returns on it. See, I just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I understand very little about the market to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the TSX is the NASDAQ, the Dow, and all the... I, I know the names, yeah. or the abbreviations of them, uh, but that's about it. Like, I have a financial advisor, but I dread going to meet with them every year. Right. Because, I mean, the same questions, hey, do you have more to invest? And the answer is like, no. Mm-hmm. I barely can afford what I'm investing now. I'm not really sure how I'm pulling the wool over eyes in order to do that. And then I really, you know, whenever it comes to it, I refer to, like... Trading Places, right. <laughs> Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. I'm going back to a movie from the 90s Anytime I think about investing. Like, I'm still looking at concentrated orange juice <laughs> <laughs> as being like, should I be putting my money into this now? The problem for guys like you and me is we all end up like Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places <laughs> when we're right. outside the restaurant <laughs> looking in in the rain and everybody else is having a grand old time. <laughs> Yesterday we were talking about... Uh, Arguing over dishes and who's going to wash the dishes, and it's one of the big arguments that most couples have. The other one we argue about a lot, it seems, is the thermostat as we make our way into the colder months. Right. (laughs) One wants it hotter, one wants it colder. Turning on the furnace. Yeah. Um, Many of us have lost that fight, me included. I I just don't touch it. It's not not a part of it. I am not permitted. I don't have a key. I have no access to the thermostat. I could be standing in the house with icicles on my nose. <laughs> you don't have a key to the thermostat or a key to the house anymore? Well, close to, <laughs> close to not having a key to the house probably these days. Um, 
We've all had the uh, the fight over it, uh, and many of us have lost, and many of us have lied about touching the thermostat. Oh, really? Half of people claim to uh, have full control over where they set the thermostat, and the others one say they think they have control, but I go and pump it up or down a number or two. Right, okay. Um, what's your ideal temperature? No one said above 74 degrees. We're all pretty much in the 70 to 73 range. All right, what is that? Uh... That's pretty low, isn't it? We're 71 degrees in our house. 19 is like 77. What are you at? Like a like a sauna? Uh, or no, 22, 72, is that how it goes? I can't remember how. Yeah, Ours is set in uh, in Fahrenheit. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I think you can switch it back and forth, right? Yeah. Whatever one makes more sense to you. Yeah, I think we're normally around like 20 to somewhere 21 to 24 degrees is where, where we're at. Um, yeah, nineteen to sixty-six, so it'd be up a little higher. So we're it was somewhere in like the the the, the mid seventies. That's warm. They right. said almost everybody says n- n- nothing past seventy-four. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but you you get no, chilled. we'd be low. I no, that's right. No, I like that. It was cool. Like when I oh, sleep, yeah? it's down to like uh, like eighteen or nineteen, which would be like low sixties. Wow. Oh, so you you have it go down at night? Yeah. And up during the day. Huh. Right. Well, and there was a time when. Um, most of us were out of the house. Right. Where, you know, during the middle of the day, we'd, you know, if it was winter, we'd have it set really low. And mm-hmm. that way the, the heat wouldn't be coming on all the time. Same with the air conditioning in the summer. I've, um, always, I've always been the opposite in that. And I don't like doing that because I always think it takes now longer for the house to heat up or cool down. I'm always just like, leave it where it's at and let it kick on and off. It's interesting because it, like, you throw it on, uh, like, with last weekend or whatever, last week when it was really cold. You're like, okay, we got to turn the furnace on and, and get it going. Mm. And then you have a couple of warm days, like the last two ones. And they're like, oh, man, it's too hot. Right. And you start opening up windows again. Right, right. Because you can't regulate that temperature. But then but then if it goes above what you've set it at, it just won't It just won't in. come on. Yeah. yeah. No, so that's what. Again, I've only heard about that. I, I don't know how it works. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't go near it. Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.